And it gave me the opportunity to change people's lives. Mm. And I told you once before, many times, it's not about what you've obtained. It's about the lives that you've changed. It gave me that opportunity. The other opportunity that it gave me, which was great, is it allowed me to reconnect with my family. I'm substitute teaching, and I'm seeing three of my grandkids in the halls every day. And they're coming up, Papa Vito, and giving me a hug and a kiss. The other kids are calling me Papa Vito. You know, kids that aren't even part of the family. Welcome to Your Next Big Project Is You, a podcast based around the theme of time. Time to be able to press pause on life. Time to reevaluate what's important. Time to reminisce about where you've come from, what you've learned, and what you've accomplished. Time to revisit your goals, dreams, and vision. In time to remember the people in your life. That's it, my friends. If you've got time, fasten your seatbelt and listen in as we discuss opportunities for the next five to 25 years of your life. And remember, your next big project is you. Welcome to our podcast, Your Next Big Project is You. I'm really pleased today, and you're going to be pleased to hear from Vito Torgiano. And I've got a lot to tell you about Vito. And he's best known to me as a father, as a grandfather, as a coach, as a friend of many. Talk about someone who's making a difference in the lives of others. And he's made a difference in my life. And that's, that's the emotional piece for me to bring into play here. Uh, is, is a big brother in my life, is a mentor to me. So Vito, welcome to the show today. So nice to hear you and uh, have a chance to talk to you. All these inspiring things behind you as I look at pictures of uh, some of the greatest golfers in the world and a, and a John Wooden pyramid of success. I know that in your life, many, many influences and things started. What I want to just tell the uh, listening audience today is what a compelling career I know that you had, both at Xerox and at Oki Data. It was a great journey for many, many years. And tell us a little bit about that in terms of, uh, you know, how things started or some of those key inflection points that really made a difference in how you're thinking even today at this point in your life. Well, thank you for that introduction. I could listen to that for hours and I thought I was going to have to a few minutes ago, but <laughs> I appreciate that. Listen, it's... Uh... Hey, come on now. It was well deserved. It was well deserved. I could have gone on. You want me to talk another five minutes? I can do that. So no. it's your turn. No, I'm good. You know, what I'm going to try to do is, is pretty much talk about the things that made me successful, that led me to success. And, and maybe not success in everybody else's terms, but in the definition of John Wood, wouldn't my success. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you know, the journey that you talk about started in 1973 with Xerox as an associate data, associate data analyst. And then uh, ended in January of 2003. I was the vice president of North American sales for Oki Data. And so that, that pretty much was the, the 30 years. And there were some things, you know, quite honestly, when I look back on it, this was a cathartic experience, quite honestly, because when, when I look back at it, there were six or seven things that I did that uh, eventually led to my success. And I say that because people mentioned it to me as I went along in the first three were in Coach John Wooden's pyramid, right? So 
Now I'm going to talk, not really talk about inflection points, but these pieces that really, really catapulted me, you know, to different levels in my career. But you start out with the two cornerstones, right? We've talked about this so often, hard work and enthusiasm. Those yeah. are a must, right? And then my mini pyramid, Coach Wooden's is 15. In the middle of his pyramid is skill. And so I have this three block pyramid. It goes hard work, enthusiasm, skill. That to me is the three essentials. So you talk about hard work. It's a talent. Why is it a talent? Because a lot of people don't want to do it. They don't right. want to work that hard. I, mean, I can think of many instances in my career where I outworked people and it made an impression. If somebody gave me a week to do it, I did it in three days. That was just me. It's about working very hard. There's no substitute. You know, I, I love quotes, right? You know that. And, and one of my favorites is the only place you'll find success before work is in the dictionary. And, and when I think about that, you know about my travels, you know, uh, sponsoring golf tournaments and things like that with Oki and Xerox. I looked at Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan. I mean, we sponsored all these tournaments. I saw Tiger Woods getting up at 4.30 in the morning and going to work out, coming back, taking a shower and hitting balls, and then go out and working out again in the evening. And he, I did six or seven tournaments a year. He did that every day. Right. Every day. And I thought, wow, that is hard work. Check it off. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. you talk about enthusiasm, the other cornerstone. They go together. They're, they're, they're inseparable. And, you know, what does enthusiasm come from? You and I have talked about it. It comes from loving what you do. Your heart has to be in it or you're never, you're never going to work hard. In enthusiasm, it becomes really important as an individual, but more important when you're in a leadership role because it inspires people. It lifts people up around you. When you put those two things together, hard work and enthusiasm, you can do you can achieve things that you never dreamed of. And at the end of the day, you can always do more than you think, right? Yeah. yeah and, then exactly. there, and then there's skill. And let me tell you something. And I believe this, okay? I believe that I could have done anything if I wanted to. I do, okay? Because people say, well, you don't have the skills to do this. You don't have the skills to do that. But I will. I will. It's at the top of my pyramid. It's in the middle of Coach Wooden's. You have to know what you're doing, right? And you got to be able to do it quickly and flawlessly. So how do you get to that point? There's critical success factors in every process, whether it's the golf swing, whether it's the sales process, whether it's marketing, it doesn't matter to me. Find out what those two or three critical things are, practice them until you become a master at it. That's what it is. Find out what the fundamentals are. Okay. And know this. This is the true story about great performers. In my mind, the most successful people are nothing more than masters of the basics. That's it. Yeah. So that's what you have yeah. to do. You know, quite simply, they do simple better. You and I have talked many times about, look, whatever you're doing, be a hero. Do it to the best of your ability. Be a champion. That's what it's about. Well, and simple's not easy, though, right? No. Yes. yes. People make things look simple, and you say, my gosh, it was so easy for that musician or that actor on stage or that athlete, but they, what you're talking about, the mastery or the thousands and thousands of hours that go in to become a master of your craft and things like this. And uh, you mentioned Coach Wooden a lot. 
you mentioned him early on. For those people listening in, if you're a basketball fan, I'm sure you've heard of Coach John Wooden, the, the great coach from UCLA, arguably one of the greatest coaches uh, in the history of competitive sports and all sports uh, to do this. And there's even more of a story to get to to Coach Wooden for Vito as well. And maybe that's the next place to go to. Uh, is, is, is we talk about that pyramid that's over your shoulder right there. And I know you had a chance encounter with Coach Wooden at a trip years ago you told me about. You had a little cancellation, and you, you, you took the initiative to pick up the phone uh, and to say, you know, you know, who knows? You never know. Next thing you know, you're, you're talking to Coach Wooden. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that and some of the, the key precepts building on what you said that have made the most significant difference in your life today. Yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. I got stuck in in El Segundo, California, on a Friday morning. My favorite part of the business trips were usually going home, right? Enjoyed that, and uh, I got stuck, and I couldn't get out till a red eye that night. And uh, I rented a car from Hertz, went out to Encino, California. I had the address from a friend of mine, and he had given it to me about three days before. And I said, "What are you crazy?" He goes, no, go visit him. He's a lonely man. I talked to him. So I went out, very, very modest apartment complex or condo complex and rang the phone up, JRW, JR Wooden. And long story short, he invited me in. And it was probably one of the two most impactful moments in my life. It, it was 45 minutes. That's all wow. it lasted. And, and my first impression was I walk into his office, which looks... It looked like a college professor's office, books strewn all over, nothing in there. I was looking at, for pictures of his championship teams, nothing. Little trophy like this, a plastic one from, I think, the first team he ever coached, which was a junior high or JV football team. But in any event, we talked a little bit about basketball, but mostly about his pyramid. It, you know, how he built it. it, took him like 25 years to build it. And I was just, it, it, I was mesmerized just listening to him talk. Um, Bill Walton calls him an American treasure, you know, and, and he still is till this day. I, I quote him almost every day as we're going through it, hard work and enthusiasm and skill and intentness and friendship and loyalty. And I'm thinking, this is me. This is me. And, and I left. Exactly. I left with this. Number one, incredibly humble, an incredibly humble man. Nothing's in there. And then number two, the wisdom that he had was just, it, it blew me away. And, right. and, and finally, we're going through the pyramid and he goes, you know what, Vito, tell me what you did. You know, so I told him about my career. He goes, take this, imagine this now, take this and build on it. Make it your own. You have different experiences. Put them in there. You've told me about things that are important to you. Put them in there. Build it, send it to me. And I did. I did. And a week later, I also sent him some pyramids of success that I had printed out for my grandkids, seven of them. A week later, I sent it on a Saturday. The next Friday, I got a thing. I got a note from him. Thank you for sharing. Here's seven pyramids for your kids. He, by the way, he said, these are not for sale, which I thought was interesting. Wow. And I've given those to the kids when they all graduate from college. You know, it's funny for anybody listening, there's somebody in their life that they look up to, admire, respect, someone who's made a difference in the way we all think and it's elevated our game to new levels. And I was blessed as well many years ago before his passing to have the privilege to talk to him on the 
phone one day after I got a after I got a a, a surprise treat in terms of a copy of his book and a, a signed little card and things that was given through a, a mutual friend and client of mine. I remember what he told me, Vito, is he said, find ways. And I asked him the same thing with your grandchildren and my kids and now my soon-to-be six grandchildren. What, what can I tell my kids? What, what would be something, coach, that I should be thinking about? He said, find ways to give of yourself, your time, your talent, your treasure to others in need and do not expect anything that needs to come back in return. Life has a way of rewarding those who give of others you know, from a stewardship. And his was all about intentional stewardship. That's why he's such a national treasure to many. So we could talk about Coach Wooden all day, but I, I know what happened to you from talking many times about your life story, leaving Xerox 2001, joining Okie Data, fully retiring at a young age in 2003. And some of the discussions you had with Patty, your wife, and, and eventually you end up at Aquinas Institute in many different roles. Um, that you've assisted them with over the years, you know, assisting administration with strategic planning, you know, joining the uh, multiple state championship football team um, is, is an integral coach on the staff, uh, developing bonds and friendships there, um, seeing kids, your son, the time I know we'll talk about this, your grandkids, their role, building on what Coach Wooden said, if you really put your mind to something, who the heck are you to be become qualified to be an earth science teacher? <laughs> you're, the, you're, you're about the last person in the world that I know <laughs> that I would expect to learn about the stars um, or, or astronomy or just what the, what the world provides us from earth science. Tell us about the role of Aquinas Institute in these many things that have shaped your life. Where do you begin this story? Yeah, I should tell you about the rocks and minerals segment of Earth Science, buddy. Because when yeah. I took the job over, the, the gentleman I was filling in for said, you're going to have a lot of trouble here, Vito. And I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to blow it out. You know, this Aquinas is about perspective, right? Which I think is the sixth or seventh block um, on the sabbatical wheel. It's like extended family to me. Hmm. I mean, the minute you, what we've talked about this before, we brought those two gentlemen up and you were gracious enough to present to them. Coach Wooden would have been proud of you that day. But you walk in those doors, and, and the first thing you see is their motto. It's actually on a marble floor that goes about 30 feet. Teach me goodness, discipline, and knowledge. And at the first time I saw it, I thought, what more can you expect from an institution, educational or otherwise? Teach me goodness, discipline, and knowledge. And I started there as a football coach. Um 2007, I remember that because we won the state championship that year. And, you know, I've done that for the last 14 years until I had the medical issue. We talk about that later if you want. But I started as a football coach in, in Leo. It's the best experience in my life. Why? Okay. I coached 10, 12 years prior to that at a suburban school. Aquinas is in the middle of the city. It's very, very diverse. Enough said. Okay. These, and so I got to see that side of life, what those kids in the inner city go through each and every day. It would bring you to tears. I've taken them home. I've had them to my house. 
They are so loving, so respectful. Okay. And the parents are spending, some of them are working two and three jobs to get, to change the cycle, to get their kids through there. And it gave me the opportunity to change people's lives. Mm. And I told you once before, many times, it's not about what you've obtained. It's about the lives that you've changed. It gave me that opportunity. The other opportunity that it gave me, which was great, is it allowed me to reconnect with my family. I'm substitute teaching, and I'm seeing three of my grandkids in the halls every day. And they're coming up, Papa Vito, and giving me a hug and a kiss. The other kids are calling me Papa Vito. You know, kids that aren't even part of the family. Remember the one time I gave the Morgan, who was the oldest, she graduates this year. She comes up and gives me a kiss in the hallway. And this teacher looks at me and she said, you can't do that. I said, why? We don't allow that there. That's my granddaughter. I'm going to do that. And you know what? If other kids want to come up and hug me because I'm a hugger, we're going to do that too. Right? I got to spend time with Sean, my oldest son, my oldest child, I should say, my only son. Yeah. 15 years we coached together. 15 years, four or five months a year, I got to see him every day. And, and you and I are going through the sabbatical. We've done it a couple of times. We're doing it now. What is the 90% of the people, if not more, are saying, I want to reconnect. I've spent too much of my career worrying about business, making money. I got to get back. I got to renew the relationships with my family and friends. That's what Aquinas did for me. And it's, it's like family. When I walk in to the front door there, I feel like I'm home. As close as you can get to that. Yeah. And that, and by the way, when we, when we talk about the next big project is you, I've been living that for the last 20 years. I've been living yeah. it. Yeah. When you think about living a life of significance, when you think about not having any regrets, like you said, the last, all these years with your son and your grandchildren right now to do this, when you think about having abundance, giving your time and your talent and your treasure, which I know you've done all three to that institute. When you think about gratitude, <laughs> you know, when you think about living Thanksgiving every day of your life, and you said some of these individuals from the inner city have been at your home and you've been, you've been privileged. There, hold on, cuz. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes, yeah, okay. You've been privileged to see uh, diversity up front, up close to help you and your family to really understand some of the challenges of our society, you know, right front and center and front seat to do this. And when you think of the issues of perspective, how it's increased your sensitivity to what some people have and what others don't have. And when you think about being your best, because in this process, you become best veto. You become best husband. You become best father. You become grandfather become a better coach, become a better friend to people, become a better contributor to society. And, and it's led to you achieving such an unbelievable legacy uh, in terms of how we all know you and things like this. It's just so fascinating. There's another person I know that has a legacy. And for the spirit of complete transparency, you heard Vito relate to me as cuz earlier in this podcast. It was we are first cousins. Uh, Vito's father and my mother were brothers and sisters in a family of seven and numerous uh, cousins that Vito and I both have. We grew up together. Vito grew up side by side with my older brother, 
Vince, who passed away, unfortunately, in 2011. Vito and, and, um, and my brother Vince were like this. And Vito's brother and myself were pretty much like this as well. So for those of you listening, there's a, there's a relationship here from a family perspective, as well as since that time, where Vito and my own brotherhood as cousins has gone to a whole other level with my brother's passing, where Vito has, has stepped in to, to be my big brother and my mentor in my life as well to do this. But I know at the kitchen table with your father, Uncle Russ, who I said, he, he counseled me and he said, hey, nephew, take as many courses as you can to improve the way you speak, the way you write. This is at the time I'm majoring in business back in the 70s at St. Bonaventure University. And he's pulling me aside like nobody else, almost like a college professor, you know, like an advisor at the school, giving me more advice than I was getting at the university. Here's what you need to take. You know, and you had life lessons. Somebody told you, it's Xerox years ago. I remember saying, where'd you get this maturity or whatever? What's your take on that story? Yeah, it, think it, about that. It was, uh, and you wonder why I like to teach and coach, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you brought out an interesting point that I never thought of before. So yeah, I think it was early in my career, maybe three, four years into it. And this gentleman, he was a vice president. Uh, for some reason, he, he took me under my wing. We bonded. I'm like, uh, like I said, 23, 24. He's in his 50s. And uh, we're riding back from the game in Buffalo. We went up to see Bill Walton play when he was in the pros. And he said, I got to ask you a question. I said, oh, well, what's that, Ed? And he said, you know, he goes, you do everything right. He goes, you, you, it's for as young as you are, you, you got it. You know what it takes. And he, I said, what do you mean? And he said, you dress right. You say the right things. You ask great questions. You have answers. You're the first one to meetings. He goes, you are mature well beyond your years in a business and professional sense. Where'd that come from? 290 North Avenue, Avon, New York, at the supper table. Every night, I tell people it was like an inquisition. It wasn't not mean. I'm not talking about the Spanish inquisition, but it was, what'd you do today? How'd that work out? Who'd you do it with? What did you learn? Until I was about 30 years old. So let's go starts in probably grade school. 30 years old. I'm in the work world doing pretty well, eight to 10 years in. And again, I go out there for Sunday dinner like we all did. What'd you do this week? How'd it go? Who'd you meet? What'd you learn? Dad, enough. I got it. I got it. And he says to me, it's my job. And my response was, I got it. Keep it up. Yeah. He, yeah. Got, his, he got as much satisfaction out of whatever success I had as I did, maybe more. And he wanted to be involved. Yeah, the whole issue and the adage of our dads, which as we know, and probably many of you listening, it's funny, even through our new work and our sabbatical experience, so many of the members of our cohort are always talking about the influence of their mothers and their fathers to do this. And as one of my buddies said to me once, the older I got, the, the smarter my father became, right? That's the life adage that we all know about. But it wasn't just a life lesson from Uncle Rust and your dad. It was a life lesson from from Grandpa Vito, where what you were named after, you know, Vito, did you learn how to potentially plant a garden correctly after that situation? I know it it taught you a lot. How do we turn something in 
that was emotional to something that's somewhat humorous years later, in a way, now that we think back and laugh. But it was a life lesson. It was a real life lesson that you could see where your father got it from Grandpa Vito. Yeah. And how it taught you in planting a garden one day. What do you remember? He said that real quick. I should make you do this story and then I could cry. <laughs> no, well, I, I know, I know Grandpa asked you to plant some uh, yeah, he did. bees he did. And, I... and, uh, that he got together with a couple of the neighbors and a couple of the other cousins of that era. And, and he was laughing. And basically, as I understand the story right, he asked you to do the planting, which was meticulous by these old Sicilian guys in terms yeah. of the pride of their gardens. That's what I do remember about the story and in, in, in the meticulous of planting and in inches away and in a straight line. And you had something going on and you did the veto back in the high school or days or whatever. And you did a real quick planting that became comical to <laughs> grandpa, but was, yeah. you know, at the time it was a life lesson for you. Yeah, Hopefully I got the story right. It was comical to his friends. So his friends, to his friends, there was, there was two impactful things that happened to me in my life. And they gave me specific direction going forward. The first was this one. And the second was coach Wooden, what we talked about, but it was 23, 24 years old. I about an hour from work every day, driving in a Volkswagen bug and grandpa's in the driveway with his pipe and a cup of coffee. He said, can you come down and help me tonight? This went on all during the spring. So, you know, I went went in the house, complained to Pat. She goes, oh, someday you'll laugh about this. Anyways, long long story short, he had a garden that was 100 by 200. And he said, here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to plant horse beans. And he said, and by the way, this this line was 100 feet long. We're going to plant horse beans 100 feet long. Yeah, can we do that tonight, Grant? Yeah. It was, you know, Rome wasn't built in that. He said, that's because I wasn't there. I said, okay, now go in the barn and get two cans and get the beans and everything like that. And you know, the story is for a hundred feet, he wanted me to plant the beans this far apart. I mean, that's probably got to be 700, 800 beans if, if you think about it, right? And he said, it's got to be a very straight line, very straight line. And you get this chalk line out, you put chalk on it, you bop it and then late. So I did the first 10 feet in about 10 minutes. And he said, I'm going to go in and get a cup of coffee. You know what you're doing? Yep. He went, he turned his back and I just started taking beans out and throwing them in this little ditch. Right. And I did the next 90 feet in 10 minutes and I filled it in and everything like that. He came back. Are you done already? Yep. Fine. Two weeks later, I go down there. It's just, I think it was my mom or my dad said, you better go see your grandfather. He's not doing well. This by the way, is a favorite person in my life to that point. And maybe still today, but um, so I go down there. It's a Saturday morning, and there's Mister. There's all of his friends. Mister. Shoes a Temperado. Your grandfather's probably there, and they're laughing. And as I got closer and closer, they kind of separated. And Mister. Shoes said, "Vito, look what your grandfather did." And I looked at this row of beans, and the first ten feet were perfect, dead on. And the next ninety feet looked like a wiggle worm. And they were laughing at him. And when I walked away, and I never stopped to think, this was his masterpiece. You know how the old Italians were. Who yeah. had the best garden, most finely manicured garden, who got the first tomatoes? It was their masterpiece. And I couldn't have cared less. It didn't make, it was all about me at that point. I want to go home. 
I want to watch basketball, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, at the end of the day, I remember going back and telling Pat, I'm going to do that garden next year. Not even going to have to ask me. I'm going to go down and say, what are we doing tonight? What are we doing tonight? Well, he passed four months later in September. And I never got a chance to make it up for it. And when I tell this story to kids and I tell it to people in the, in the business world, it's about pride. I say, why is pride important? Well, then they give me great answers. I say, this is why it's important to me. Sometimes you don't get a second chance. And from that day forward, I made a commitment that I was never going to let anybody down again, whether it was work or personal or whatever. If you need me, I'm there. You know that. And I'm going to do my best. And yeah, that's, no, that's the story. There, there's no question about that. And the whole issue of needing you and being there and having a second chance. Um, you've been dealing with that the last couple of years in terms of, uh, you know, fighting through some tough yeah. news that you've gotten and you've maintained this spirit of fight, of will and of being there for your family and things as you've, as, as you've been dealing with, uh, that C word, you know, and in terms of finding out a couple of years ago that you, that you were, had a form of cancer that you and I have talked about and things. And what's that journey? What are the life lessons in that journey that you would talk to other people confronted with that or confronted with an obstacle or something in terms of where your, your attitude wouldn't the fight, the perseverance, all the things you've, you've been living this your whole life and now manifesting yeah. through taking you through and still giving gifts as you will, hopefully for the next 25 to 30 years of your life. What are, what have been some of those takeaways as you sat there um, in not focusing on me, but focusing on what you're learning from this and how it can help others? Well, there's this, there's this term that I've used a lot when, when you talk about persistence and it's basically your will has to exceed your skill, right? And, and, uh, the, the thing about, I, I had lymphoma, I, I still do, but it's being managed and I expect to live many years all with, based on what all the doctors have told me, but you know, at the end of the day, there's people that say, be positive. I've talked to you about this, be positive, be strong, fight. Yeah. I'm going to do all that. I, I, I get it. Okay. And I appreciate the comments. The best, best thing to say is what can I do? What can I do to help? I'm sorry. You have to go through this. So for those of you out there that don't know what to say to people, and I didn't, I didn't. When I had friends, I had three other friends that have that have either passed or had it. It's, I'm really sorry you have to go through this. What can I do? Well, you know, just I do. Close. And then I can remember Sean, you know, who's a, a football coach and a line coach and stuff like that, saying, Dad, you're going to kick this thing's ass. And I said, yeah, I am. And I remember sending something to the kids and the grandkids saying, I got this. I start chemo tomorrow. I'm going to kick this thing's ass. I'm going to get through this. Don't worry about it. You go off like your dad told you. Go back to your business. Go off and do your do your things. I never forgot that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and what I learned is you don't kick cancer's ass. It kicks your butt, okay? And you survive. You fight it. You do fight it, okay? And um, But th th I think the thing that I learned more than anything was all the calls in the texts, in the emails that I got from kids that I coached and people that I work with, you know, people that there's, there's two types of people. 
one, one of our cohorts in the sabbatical talked about it. You see people walk the other way because they don't know what to say. It's not because they don't care. They don't know what to say. But the people that did call me, it, it made me understand the impact that I made. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. It, it pretty, pretty neat. And it got me through it. Yeah, we talk about true friends and impact. It all, all comes to life through a crisis in our lives, things like this. This has been a great uh, time with you, Vito. Uh, you've lived a life of significance. I know you're continuing to work on ensuring that there's no regrets. You're continually living a life of abundance, the gratitude perspective. You're unbelievably committed to being your best Vito, which manifests into all of these other roles. And man, what a legacy that you have established and built for, for Vito Torgiano. I love you because thanks for joining me today for this podcast. I hope some other folks listen in, get a sense of yeah. uh, family, get a sense of love, get a sense of uh, story of uh, people who have impacted your life and how it can relate to theirs as well. Thanks for yeah, joining. I love me. you too. Thanks. I'm going to leave you with one thought. And this one coach came from Coach Wooden as well. I'm not sure where I read it or he shared it with me, but write this down because it's as significant as anything you've ever heard. He said, it's impossible to have a great day unless you've done something for somebody that can never repay you. <laughs>